Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hey friends and those that are listening for the very first time to Mavericks and Misfits, welcome to the podcast today. So grateful for this time of year. I love Christmas. I love winding down a year and there's been no better year in my life to wind down than the year 2020 and I'm sure you feel a little bit of that too and as we are approaching 2021 um, for the optimist we're saying hey man this is going to be the greatest year ever and for the pessimist we're saying uh, well it can't be any worse than the year 2020 and so wherever you are on that spectrum I hope that you're looking forward to a new year I have not met anybody that's really wanting to hold on to 2020 having said that I will agree that 2020 and its pains and its challenges for all of us for me personally and battling and beating cancer for um, being laid aside from my primary ministry for so long. It's been a great year to really get a clarified vision about what God says for my life is most important, and I hope that you've experienced some of that too. But having said that, I will say that I am ready to step into the next year and see what the Lord has for all of us. Now, part of what I'm believing for is a continuing pursuit of revival a continuing pursuit of believing that God is going to do something in the kingdom that will shock the nations. Uh, Based on the written word in the book of Revelation, we know that the end of the age is marked by powerful moves of God that are countered, of course, by powerful moves from the enemy's camp. And so we know that there is greater collision coming. We know that there is cataclysm coming. We know that the apocalypse is coming. We know that Christ is coming. And so we know that the greatest and most um, magnified things that the earth has ever seen or experienced are yet to come. And so I want to be prepared for that. And I don't know the time nor the hour, neither do you. We do know that it's coming and it could be in our lifetime. I'm, I'm personally convinced that it will be in my lifetime. And I want to finish out my days prior to the return of Jesus Christ in a way that honors, glorifies him, and also is aligned with his purposes in the planet. And so if that's going to happen, I'm going to have to be um, working out my salvation with trembling and fear, fear and trembling. And I'm also going to have to be um, really focused on how I do what I do for the glory of Jesus. And part of this series that we've been doing on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the intention is, is that you and I will recognize that what the Lord has assigned to us, it's impossible to accomplish it in the energy of the flesh. Even our best gifting and natural abilities, our best um, experiences, education, and skills are insufficient to bring about the supernatural works that God has ordained that his people would walk in. And so I have spent several weeks on the Mavericks and Misfits podcast focusing on the gifts of the Spirit. And if you're listening to each of these, you'll know that pretty much what I'm teaching is coming straight from the scriptures, and therefore it doesn't fit nicely and tidily in the midst of any kind of denominational position. Um, I'm getting so many emails and contacts and social media from uh, cessationists, those that don't believe in the gifts, and primarily from Baptist pastors who are um, having their interest piqued 
um, through this series. They're listening. They probably don't want a whole lot of people to know they're exploring the gifts of the Spirit because those things are typically viewed as charismatic um, issues rather than Baptist issues. But these guys are word guys, and they're really wanting to know what does the word say. Most of them have not experienced what they would consider supernatural um, giftings of the Holy Spirit, but they believe that they're available. And so I'm going to continue teaching in hopes that they'll say, I don't only believe in these gifts, I want these gifts. The other side of the aisle is from my charismatic friends. And these men and women are connecting and they're saying, hey man, you're a little off on the the way you describe the baptism of the spirit, you're saying it doesn't necessarily have to be accompanied by speaking in tongues. And we don't agree with that. I'm like, that's cool. That's fine. Um, we may take an opportunity to go through. Well, we will take an opportunity to go through the gift of tongues. I'm going to show you that the, the baptism of the Holy spirit is seen in the book of acts and the descriptions of uh, what it means for those that were in the early church to receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. It's very different based on which case study you're looking at in the book of Acts. So my point being is, yep, the title of the podcast is Mavericks and Misfits. I don't fit into a denominational position on this issue. I'm trying my best to stick to the Word of God. And if that's your desire, I hope that you will join me. In today's study, we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter number 12, verses 6, 7, and 8. And I really want to talk to you about some practical guidance for using your spiritual gifts. So if we come to the place where we believe, yes, the gifts of the Spirit are real, and some of the gifts of the Spirit are very supernatural in nature, they technically all are supernatural in nature, but some of them are, um, well, they'll grab your attention because they seem to be otherworldly. Some of the spiritual gifts just seem like things that we do, but we can't take credit for them because the Bible says they're actually charismata. They're gifts of grace. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so um, today I want to just talk to you about some practical guidance. If you know your gift and some of the things Paul wrote to the church at Rome in chapter number 12, and let me just read these three verses. Uh, pardon me just a second. <clears throat> there we go. Got to get the voice going. Verse number six, it says this, Paul is speaking to the church at Rome and he says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal. The one who acts, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And then he says in verse number nine, let love be genuine. So these words from the apostle Paul are just practical instructions. He says, hey guys, you all have gifts. And I want to tell you and remind you that you need to be using them. And then he proceeds to tell us in what vein we are to use them. And so I'm going to, I'm going to appeal to your mind on this one, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the mind of Jesus on this, and I'm going to really ask you to kind of discipline that thirst for something wow and cool and you know extravagant and amazing because we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, man. It's got to be you know shock value. No, it doesn't have to be, and that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is that we have turned the gifts of the Spirit into some spectacular YouTube show instead of recognizing the gifts of the Holy Spirit for two thousand years have been in the church and active in the church for the purpose of ministry, not for TikTok videos or Instagram videos or, or, you know, any other sensationalism. That's not why we have the gifts. And so sometimes when we get into the scriptures and it's talking about the gifts of the spirit, it's very practical. 
almost to the point where it would seem like boring step-by-step how to use them kind of instructions. And that's what we're going to look at in this episode. So when Paul's talking to the church at Rome, I want to notice, first of all, that he establishes some accountability with spiritual gifts. What do I mean by that? Well, back in that first verse I read in Romans 12, verse 6, he says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Okay, very quickly here. Remember, this is the Apostle Paul. So he's the leader in this instance of the church at Rome. He is writing to them and he is giving them apostolic instruction. In other words, this is God speaking through Paul as the chief foremost apostle of his day. And Paul makes a couple of statements here. He first of all says, you have gifts. He says, having gifts, present tense, church of Rome, having gifts that differ. So he's telling them right off the bat, each of you hearing the words of this letter that I'm writing, you're Christians and you have gifts. Right off the bat, I want to establish this point. You may not know what your particular spiritual gift is, but you need to know that the Bible says you have at least a gift. You likely have more than one gift that God intends for you to use, but you do not uh, have any ground to consider yourself giftless. Now, I think the church has done a poor job at helping people recognize and steward their gifts, and I will put that on guys like me, men and women that lead in the church. We haven't done the best job at helping individual Christians find their gifts and know what to do with them. But taking all of that out of the equation, the Bible is very clear. We all have gifts, and we all have gifts that differ. That's what Paul wrote, having gifts that differ. So in other words... Um, you and I are not to look to each other to determine what gift we want. We're not to look to each other to determine what gift we have. We're not to be impressed with somebody else's gifting. We can be, we can be appreciative of it, but we're not to long after somebody else's gifting. Why? Because you already have the gifts that God has given to you. When you received Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live within the temple of your body. And when he came, he brought gifts to operate inside of you. So you already have them. It's an issue of defining them, recognizing them, and then releasing them. But we all differ. And so that pretty much teaches me that not all of us have all of the gifts and not all of us have the same gifts. My wife and I are very different. Amy's spiritual gifting is very, very different than mine. We've done several over the years. We've been married uh, 24 years, 23 years. God help me. Hope she doesn't listen to this, but we were married in 1997. And so that would be 23 years. Thank you, Lord. Um, and we um, have done so many different spiritual gift inventories and testings over the year. And one thing stands out every time we do it. She's gifted in ways completely different than I am. I'm gifted in ways completely different than her. A matter of fact, her high scores are my low scores. My low scores are her high scores. And so we are beautiful when we are operating together in the spirit. But if you separate us and look at us as individuals, we're completely differently gifted by the Lord. And that's a good thing because there are no cookie cutter copycats in the kingdom of God. And so you have gifts, but your gifts may not look like your pastor's gifts. Your gifts may not look like your parents' gifts. Your gifts may not look like that person you love to follow in the kingdom via social media or podcast or, or YouTube or what have you. Um, your gifts are for you. God made you unique. He made you specifically. He made you on purpose. And so we have gifts that differ, but it's all according to the grace given to us. And Paul says, and according to that grace, there in Romans 12, 6, he says, 
use your gift. So this is practical instruction. He establishes accountabilities with the gifts by telling us you all have gifts and you are all to use your gift. So immediately when I read that verse, I recognize, oh, my gifting is not some side issue. My gifting is important to the Lord because he sovereignly gave me the gifts that he gave me and he expects me to use them. But I can't use them if I don't pursue understanding of what gifts I have. And if I don't exercise those gifts, then those gifts rest in the realm of potential instead of actual. So the accountability is on me for my gifts. I need to pursue the Lord. I need to dialogue with him. I need to pray. I need to ask those that are closest to me, hey, what do you see my gifts are in the kingdom? What what have you seen that I've, I've used that it's effective? And could you also risk it and tell me the things that maybe I'm trying to use that aren't effective? Maybe I should consider that God hasn't gifted me that way. And I'll share a little bit more about what he has and has not given me so that you'll find the freedom to rest in the gifts that he has given you and not to mourn and grieve over what he hasn't given you. And so now Paul starts talking about some practical guidance for using these gifts. He, he says, if you have, this is still in verse six of Romans 12. He says, he gives examples. So he's saying, you've got gifts, use the gifts. And then he says, he mentions one. He said, if, if you have prophetic gifting, if your gift is the gift of prophecy, Romans 12, six, then do it in proportion to your faith. Use your gift of prophecy in proportion to your faith. Now we haven't gone over the specific depths of each gift yet. And I plan on doing that at least for most of them. And prophecy will be one of them. Um, prophecy is in the headlines today because a lot of um, nationally known and internationally known men and women that uh, carry the mantle of a prophet in the kingdom uh, have seemingly, the results aren't final yet, but seemingly prophesied incorrectly about President Trump being reelected. And so that's given a lot of ammunition to those that don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, those that are sick of, you know, politics and kingdom mixing and prophets standing up. And y'all know all the drama. I don't have to rehash it for you. But prophecy is simply the human communication of a divine revelation. If you want to boil down the gift of prophecy, it is the human communication of a divine revelation. It is the Lord speaking to an individual, one of his children, and that child disclosing or revealing or communicating what the Lord has spiritually revealed. And so let me just say this, Paul's counsel is, if you believe you have the gift of prophecy, then use it. Let us use this gift in proportion to our faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means don't fake it. It means don't speak what you do not believe and, and to recognize your silence is probably better than your presumption. Not probably, it is. What am I talking about? Well, listen, all of the gifts are connected to faith. Faith is the hinge upon which the success of our gifts swings. And if we don't have faith, then we are using our gifts in the flesh. And so what happens in our day is somebody's recognized as a prophet and people around that person say, give us a word, give us a word, give us a word. We want a word. Everybody always wants a word. They always want a fresh word. I sometimes say to people, you want a word? Open your Bible. Don't, don't pressure me for an on-demand word. When I get a word from the Lord, I'm going to give it. And if it's a prophetic word, I'm going to give it according to the faith that I have. So sometimes I've given words that I'm releasing at level 10 faith. I, I am absolutely confident this is what the Lord is saying. 
There've been other times where I receive a word and I believe I'm hearing him correctly, but I'm feeling um, a trembling in my soul. So I want to be very careful how I release that word. And maybe my faith isn't at a level 10, maybe it's at a level seven because I know I'm hearing the Lord, but I'm not positive how to articulate what he's saying. That may be what Paul was referring to when he told the church at Corinth, we prophesy in part, we know in part, we prophesy in part. Um, nobody said that in the Old Testament about prophecy. In the Old Testament, it was, boom, this is the word of the Lord. But in the New Testament, we're told that we prophesy in part, and we're told to um, test the prophetic word. First Thessalonians 5, we, we are to test the prophetic word. And we're never told that in the Old Testament, and we're told it in the New Testament. Why? Because the human element is accentuated in the New Testament gift of prophecy. We have to depend on the Lord and we are to release those words according to our faith. And so here's the deal. You that are prophetic people don't bow to the pressure to always have a word. You're sinning if you make up something and just hope that it registers. And I believe this. I think we're sinning when we say such general, broad, anybody could have said it kind of stuff and we call it prophecy. And, you know, like the Lord loves you. Well, that's true, but it's not necessarily prophetic. And, and so I think that the outward pressure on prophetic people to have a word all the time sometimes causes them to prophesy not according to faith, but according to human expectation. So if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, Jeff, you got a word for me? Uh, and if I don't, I say, no, but I'll pray for you. And other times, um, usually when I get a word for somebody, I'll just go give it. You don't even have to ask me. But there are occasions where somebody will walk up and I don't know they're coming. I don't have any idea that they need a word. And they'll ask me, do you have a word? And I'll instantly sense that the Lord wants to release something. So what I do is I say, let's see what the Lord gives. And I'll take 30 seconds, put my hand on their shoulder and just say, Lord, if you have something for so-and-so, please speak. And a lot of times it happens and I'm able to release that word, but it's always by faith. It's never by presumption. We honor the Lord when we slow down to listen to his voice and don't assume that whatever comes out of our mouth is prophecy. So then Paul shifts lanes. He goes into verse number seven of Romans 12, and he goes from something as dynamic and mysterious as prophecy to something as practical as serving. You may not know this, but the Bible defines a gift, a charisma, a gift of serving that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, if we have the gift of service, let us use that gift in our serving. It's very practical. Nobody, you know, stands in line at, at the great men of God in the, in the conference and say, lay hands on me. I want the gift of serving. It's a shame that we don't because I believe that a serving gift may be the most needed and one of the most important gifts within a community of believers. Now, listen, everything is connected to the gift of serving because apart from action, ministry gifts are always remain in the realm of potential and potential accomplishes nothing. So for gifts to be actual, they must be actively used in what? Serving other people. And so some people in the body of Christ are powerfully gifted of God to serve industriously. They ask very few questions about what they're being required to do. They usually desire very little recognition. And they will remain faithful when serving seasons are long and hard. So in my opinion, the gifts of serving, which is similar to the gift of helps, some people call it the gift of helps, it's actually what keeps cooperative ministry together functioning and it, and it makes it fruitful. So if, if, if you don't 
have a heart of a servant, then you're probably going to run the risk of using your gift and in some way to build up yourself or to build up yourself in the eyes of others. But if you have a spiritual gift, which we all do, and you recognize what it is, it needs to be attached to the heart of a servant. But what I'm saying here is there are some people in the kingdom, some of you listening, and maybe you don't prophesy. Maybe you don't work miracles. Maybe you don't do healings. Maybe you don't speak in tongues. And we'll deal with tongues in a separate podcast episode. But maybe your charisma, among all of the charismata, your charisma, among the plural, your singular gift, is that you have the gift of serving from God. That is no less of a spiritual gift than prophecy. Matter of fact, it's it's mentioned second in this list. And so some of you think you're just a hard worker. And I'm going to encourage you, maybe, maybe circle back with the Lord and say, God, is this desire in me to serve others? Is this a charisma? Is this my spiritual gift? Is this something from you? Some of you think it's just your personality. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the line and say, no, it's not just your personality. It's something the Lord put in you because he wants you to be a spirit-filled servant in the kingdom. And Paul says that if you have that desire, then use it by serving others. Remember, all the ministry gifts are for the building up of the body of Christ. So we go a little bit further in this list. Again, here's some of the specific gifts And here's practical guidance for using them. He says, if you have, verse 7, down into verse 8, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation. So there are people in the body of Christ that are given the spiritual endowment from the Holy Spirit to teach. They teach truth. That's what I'm doing right now. My my primary gift, gift, every time I take a spiritual gift inventory, my two primary gifts are teaching right beneath it is prophetic. So if somebody asks me, what's my role in the kingdom? I am a teaching prophet or a prophetic teacher. That's just the way God has wired me and he's gifted me. Um, there's a ton of gifts I never, I've never had. I'm pursuing all the gifts because the Bible commands us to eagerly desire and to pursue spiritual gifts. But the ones that I know that I have are teaching and exhortation. That's why I'm doing a Mavericks and Misfits podcast. I'm utilizing my gift to build up the body of Christ. So in teaching, um, if you have that gift, you, you need to pray and ask the Lord, give you somebody to teach. I mean, seriously, I mean, it's that simple. If you're waiting on a big platform in a church, you're probably going to miss your season. Because I've, I know very few people that have a teaching gift that the Lord immediately um, elevates into a massive public pa- platform. And the younger you are, the, the harder you will have to receive that word. It, it may be God asking you to teach children. You, you may have four kids that you need to pour into on a Sunday. You say, well, that's not really my style. Well, how will you ever get to the place where your gift is fully used if you don't use it in the most needed and even the, the presumably lowest area of opportunity? I'm a big believer in when you can't do what you want to do, do what you can do. And sometimes the Lord tests you on the lower level to see if you're going to steward it well on the higher level. And I'm not saying that children are lower level. They're absolutely not. My daughter is amazing. She's poured her life into teaching children, and there's so much fruit that comes from that. And my daughter actually has an anointing to be with children and an, an anointing to teach and lead children. And it's visible to all of us. So if you've got the teaching gift, then you need to exercise it. You have to be a student of the word. 
people that talk to me about having a teaching gift, but they're never in their Bible. I say, you may have plenty of gifts, but teaching isn't one of them. We teach the written word. We teach the kingdom principles. We teach people how to live. Exhortation is attached in this passage in Romans 12 to teaching. That means you teach the material and then you exhort people in what to do with it. So it's the practical application of the holy revelation. So teaching is the substance. We teach the content of the word, the principles of the kingdom, who the father is, who the son is, who the spirit is, what the kingdom is, what's the great commission, how do we live this Christian life? We teach that material from the Bible, but the exhortation is then we call people to live it. And I think that that's one of the greatest things we can do in the kingdom, tell the truth and tell people what to do with it, and then trust God to birth the results in their heart. The next one on the list is the gift of giving. Um, it's called contributing in Romans 12, 8. And to the one who contributes, do it in generosity. And I love this. I actually have the gift of giving. And what I've asked the Lord over the years to do is to pair me up with the means to give lavishly. That breakthrough hasn't come. Uh, you know, we, all our bills are paid and we, our needs are met. But I'm, I'm not wealthy in the American sense of the term. I would be middle income. And I'm very grateful for it. Um, the... The gift of giving is not just in money. The gift of giving is in time. The gift of giving is in using your energies and abilities to bless other people at your own expense. But I think what Paul is talking about here specifically is giving money. And so some of you need to press into this gift. Uh, listen, the kingdom can't make it without generous givers. And the world tends to take our desire uh, for wealth and to use it for um, carnal temporary possessions. It's a counterfeit that the enemy has inserted into the realm of possibility for the Christian. And what we got to do is decline that opportunity and say, no, I'm going to use my wealth for kingdom purposes. I'm going to store up my treasure in heaven. I'm going to invest now at my own expense. It's going to cost me now, but it's going to pay eternal dividends. And so the gift of giving, people are called to do it with generosity. Very quickly here, when you give in the kingdom, you are always motivated as giving unto the Lord. We give through local churches, tithes and offerings. We give through mission organizations. We give through benevolence, helping people around us. But we're always releasing it to the Lord. And so what we do is when we release it, we actually release it. We trust God with what's done with it. And so we do our homework ahead of time. To whom are we given? Through whom are we given? What is our church doing? We want our leaders to be fiscally responsible. But then when we release what we give, our time, our effort, our money, all of it, um, then we let it go and we can do it with joyfulness and we can continue to grow in generosity because we know that we're giving it unto God and God will do what God wishes to do with what we give. So I want to encourage you as a new year approaches, listen, give, give unto those ministries that feed your soul, give unto those um, organizations that are in line with the kingdom, in line with the word of God and give heartily. All right, last two things. We've got leading and then we've got mercy. Leadership is a charisma. It is a gift of grace that Holy Spirit births in the hearts of some of his people. And so it says here that the one who leads needs to lead with zeal. 
That means if you have a gift of leadership on you, you need to utilize it and you need to zealously lead. One of the worst things for a leader, a person supernaturally gifted by the Holy Spirit to lead, one of the worst things to happen is for their wings to get clipped, for them to get sidelined, for them to be um, unused. I think this applies specifically, and I'll do a later podcast in a different series on the role of women in the kingdom, but I think we have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of women in the kingdom who are gifted by the Holy Spirit with the gift of leadership, but because of misunderstandings about women's roles in the kingdoms, usually misunderstandings that are propagated by men, uh, a lot of women in the kingdom have not been allowed to lead. And one of the prophetic words over my life is I am to help women be elevated in the kingdom. And that's not presumptuous. That's biblical. That is a biblical thing. And so we have leadership giftings given all throughout the body of Christ. And those people need to be um, discipled and shepherded into places where that leadership can be done with zeal. Um, not with double-mindedness, not with hesitation, not with insecurity, not with wondering what people are going to think, not with trying to gain popular opinion. If you're going to be, listen, I know this from, you know, 25 years of local church, pastoral, vocational experience. Um, if you're going to lead, you're going to take your lumps. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be misrepresented. You're going to be mistreated at some point. So if you have to have the applause of people, then don't, don't be a leader. But here's the deal. If you have the gift of leadership on you, you can't deny that gift and you've got to find a way to use it. But if you're always wanting to lead in a way where you've got your rah-rah corner, you know, applauding you the whole way, that's not kingdom leadership. Every kingdom leader is going to suffer at some level. Why? Because we are leading people into the greatest expression of God's will for their lives. And the devil fights that, the world fights that, and flesh fights that. And so when, if you have that gift of leadership, you're to go to before the Lord and say, Lord, what do I do with this? I don't have a platform. I don't have an arena. I don't have an outflow for my gift of leadership. Lord, I need your help. Because I promise you this, he didn't give you the gift of leadership to torment you by never giving you anybody to lead. There's probably people all around you. And again, if you're waiting on a platform, you're operating in pride. Uh, I say that very boldly. You are operating in pride and presumption if you're waiting on a big platform in a church under a spotlight with the cameras rolling. That is pride. And if God gives you that opportunity, then it's grace. But if you're waiting on it before you actually lead, then you're operating in sinful negligence and you need to just start asking the Lord where you can use your gift now. And the last one, and we'll finish up right here, is the gift of mercy. Romans 12, 8, the one who does acts of mercy Use that gift of acting in mercy with cheerfulness, Paul says. People that operate in mercy um, feel, they feel deeply for those around them, and that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I do not have that gift. I'll just be honest with you. I pray for it. I want it. My wife flows in it, but I don't have it. Um, not not at the level I would like. And, and so for those of you that do, you're going to feel um, you're going to weep with those that weep. You're going to rejoice with those that rejoice, but you're going to feel the heart of Jesus on people that are marginalized, people that are oppressed, people that are mistreated, people that have shot themselves in their own foot by sinful acts. You're going to feel what the Lord feels over them. And the, the call is to operate in that gift with cheerfulness. Why? Because man, merciful people are attracted to the broken, the discouraged, the disheartened, um, the castaways. And it's a kind of a sad setting to constantly be drawn to that type of person. And so Paul says, use your gift, but don't be swallowed up by it. Don't, don't lose your cheerfulness. Don't lose your joy. 
Don't buy into the fact that because you're constantly drawn to those that are broken and struggling and hurting, that that's all there is in the kingdom. You have to steward your own heart and maintain cheerfulness. And so those are some of the gifts that Paul lists in Romans 12. In our next episode, I'm going to take you to the Apostle Peter because he unpacks some of these in 1 Peter chapter 4. And again, all of these are supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they look very natural, but they're not. The Bible defines them all in the same category of gifts, gifts given by grace. They are grace things. They are supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have gifts that differ. We're not supposed to be just like everybody else. So be content with the gifts you have and go bold and thank God for the gifts he didn't give you. Because if he didn't give it to you, he didn't want you to have it. So it's not a good thing for you. It's good for somebody else. But if you have those gifts, which you do, you recognize them and you use them and do it according to your faith. You know, if it's prophecy, if it's serving, if it's teaching, exhorting, giving or leading or acts of mercy, do it in partnership with the Lord and he will do great things through you. So our time's gone today. I want to encourage you, go by my umbrella site, um, go by transformingtruth.org, check in there, stay there for a minute, read some of the articles that I've written there, check out some of the videos we've got there. This podcast, what you're listening to right now, this is the only place you can listen to this. We are not putting this material out on any of our other streams, so I encourage you to keep coming back here. If you are listening and appreciating what we're doing here, what we're offering, it helps us if you will review us wherever you're listening, whether it's on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you're listening to this podcast, Spotify, will you stop? Give us a rating and a review. It helps enlarge our footprint, gets the word out. And I hope that you could help us to do that as we press into Christmas. I want to say Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. And I pray that Jesus Christ will remain central in all that you're thinking and doing and saying and celebrating during Christmas. And man, let's press into 2021. I have a sense that 2021 is going to have some incredible challenges, more maybe than we've ever thought at a deeper level, a higher intensity and a greater frequency. But I'm actually amped up for it because I know that when the, the, the going gets straight and tight that the Lord does some incredible magnification of his glory and so I'm expecting to see that in 2021 so tune in next time we'll have a new episode released in a couple of days and thanks for listening to Mavericks and Misfits. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast if you enjoyed today's episode Please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.